Good morning to you again. I, um, I loved uh, imitating things when I was young. Imitating things I saw, things that I thought were adventurous. Um, one of the shows that I, I enjoyed watching when I had the opportunity was uh, Chips. Have you ever watched Chips way back in the day? I never realized that I would one day be driving on the exact roads where Chips uh, happened, uh, the California Highway Patrol Chips. And the, um, there was one episode that I thought would be so great to imitate. Um, one of the main characters, somebody sabotaged his motorcycle. These were motorcycle uh, highway patrolmen. And uh, they'd loosen the bolt on the front wheel, and as the, it begins to show him, he gets up on the freeway, starts going at a high rate of speed, and little by little, the wheel starts to wobble, and more and more, and more and more, and all of a sudden, the wheel comes off, and he goes crashing. And uh, like a really smart guy, I thought, that'd be awesome to imitate. <laughs> so I get on my bike, and I head outside to our, our front, uh, the road in front of our house, and um, I didn't loosen the bolt, but I thought, I can do this just on my own. So I started wiggling the handlebars as I'm going along, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Am I going to crash? Am I going to crash? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And all of a sudden, I went, whoop, too far. And over the handlebars, I went. And I think I was hurt more than uh, the actor on um, uh, the TV show. Um, we've mentioned Doug and Lita um, today. And uh, Doug, I, I know, I've been told, was a great enthusiast for bike riding and uh, enjoyed it a lot. And uh, we've recently bought a new bike in our family. And we bought a, a maintenance plan. And part of the maintenance plan is to be able to true the bicycle wheels whenever they get out of alignment. And I happen to have an old bicycle wheel. And Andrew, I'm going to ask you, you're, you're the greatest uh, enthusiast of bicycling I know in our church. And um, I'm going to hold this. So I'll hold the dirty part and spin that with the with your trained eye and tell me if this wheel is true. No bicycle. It is not. <laughs> so tell me what it means to not be true in a bicycle wheel. Uh, the spokes are not pulling at the same tension. All right. And what's it do to the wheel? What's the impact? It doesn't roll correctly. That's right. It gets wobbly, right? Wobbly. It gets warped. Like in and, chips. Yeah, like in chips. Thank you. Good man. We... Um, I'm going to set this up here just so you can see it maybe for a little bit. We, uh, when we come to thinking about things of faith, you know, there are moments um, where God invites us to examine ourselves both individually and also collectively to see where we may be out of true, where we may be out of balance, either individually, spiritually with the Lord, or collectively, what it means to be together, where God has designed us to roll straight and clean and, and true, but there are things that come into our lives and things that come into a church's life that can warp us over time, and sometimes it's imperceptible at first, and it begins to affect and impact us over time, where eventually... Uh, if it's not corrected and we're not open to God's continued hand and, and seeking Him to continue to touch and shape and, and to correct, to give us course correction over the course of our lifetime, then it doesn't take long before those warping gets, that gets greater and stronger and begins to work against the very thing that, that we are meant to be. And um, one of the questions or some of the questions we need to ask periodically about church life together is uh, what is the heart of church life? What makes a church true? And we could probably offer many different uh, answers to that that would all accumulate to provide a great answer. But uh, one of the questions on sort of the, the other end is, is a church merely, is the heart of a church merely social action? 
So a need needs to happen. There's a need to be met in the world around us. And it is a church faithful only if it's going out in social action and meeting that need. Well, I, I think that's incomplete. We might say, well, a church, the heart of a church is, is to have such a tight-knit social group that when we gather together, there's a good sense of togetherness. I leave that time with others and I feel refreshed and good. And it's my social group. And we can sort of leave out the important part of letting God reign and rule among us and being uh, king among the group. And we could go on down the list, but the heart of God's life and of life together is really our focus for today. And you see our Lord's Supper table. We're going to share in that together in a few moments. But I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26 as we think about what is the heart of God's life and what are some of the things that He wants to do for us in, in helping to true our lives individually and to true our life together. This is the way Matthew describes the first Last Supper. Right before Jesus is arrested and He's drawn out on that um, Good Friday and He would go and, and be executed. This is uh, just a couple of days before that first Easter morning. And He gathers His disciples together. They, they were participating in what they did every year together and celebrating the Jewish feast of Passover. And so the meal is being eaten together and they're celebrating uh, what God has done in history. And Jesus is about to uh, really give them the accumulation of three years worth of teaching. And He's going to tell them what is one of the, the primary ongoing ways of remembering what is the heart of God's work among a person individually, and certainly among a group together like this. So here's what it says, Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and He gave thanks. And He broke it and He gave it to His disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is My body. Then He took the cup and gave thanks and offered it up to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we ask that today it would be, as You've said it is, that it would be living and active in our hearts and that we would be open and ready and anticipating Your active work in us. Help us not to be hearers only of Your Word, but guide us to be doers of it. And we pray it in the name and for the sake of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. So Jesus here, He describes the Lord's Supper as... Uh, he describes the element of His blood as as a covenant. And Jesus comes in, in His life and in His death, and which the Lord's Supper pictures, and in His raised life again, He offers to you and me a fresh covenant. We talked last week as we've uh, opened up a, a mini-week series. Um, mini, M-A-N-Y, not M-I-N-I. But a, a multiple-week series to come where we can spend some time together uh, looking at our church covenant and why are certain words been written out that help give shape and some understanding and insight into what do we think as a church God means for us to, to live a life that's faithfully committed back to Him. And it's called a church covenant. We spent time on that word last week because it's the idea of being committed. 
of giving ourselves to something that's significant and something that's true and real and something that matters both in this life now and in our forever life to come. God has committed Himself to us. And we looked last week at at some different ways where God had established covenants with the people and in the way that we have the opportunity to do it. Jesus said, as He passed around the cup that represented the blood that He would shed, that it was a covenant in His blood for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus gives a fresh covenant and describes the forgiveness of sins. And when we think about forgiveness... Forgiveness is not just that which God bestows on us, and it becomes for us like a key that God somehow hands down a divine key, and we grab it, and we put it on our key ring, and put it in our pocket for use on that day when uh, this life is over, and we stand at the gate of heaven, and it's not just forgiveness that we have a key then that unlocks the gate of heaven, and God welcomes us there. It's not less than that, but it's a whole lot more than just that. You see, it is a key, but it's not just the key to the gate of heaven. It is the key for walking in the fullness of life right here, right now, in preparation for what is to come forever and ever and ever. That is the life that God has called you and I into in the person of Jesus. It is about forgiveness. And it's not just for forgiveness of sins that happened 25 years ago. It's about the forgiveness and participating in the life of God today. Jesus, you remember, once said to take up your cross daily. To identify yourself daily with Jesus. Wherever you are, in your home and around your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, wherever your day takes you, guess what you're to take with you? The cross. If you were to follow me, Jesus says, you must deny yourself and daily take up your cross and come and follow me. And when we do that, we know not a lack and not a neglect. It's just the opposite. We know through that that Jesus fills us up for the fullness of life. So this fresh covenant in the Lord's Supper is a reminder of the forgiveness that we have. Not just what happened many decades ago, Not just the promise of heaven to come, but a call to walk in the pathway of discipled living with Jesus each and every day. Forgiveness. The Lord's Supper also reminds us not just about forgiveness, but also about first things. About what is a priority in your priority in life. You see, here's, here's where we struggle often. And it's, it's very normal and very common for us. Just like a bicycle wheel, as it gets out of true and it begins to get warped, the bicycle mechanics, they have a special tool and they'll wrap it around a spoke and they'll begin to give some fresh tension to those spokes. And in doing so, it pulls those spokes and it, it stretches the, the rim back so that it can then run straight again. The warp is worked out so that it runs and is what it was intended to be from the beginning. And so when we begin in our lives at times, we find that that our priorities get out of kelter, that uh, subtly often things come into our life that become more important to us than our relationship with God. Things creep into our schedules that we allow to overwhelm us or uh, all sorts of things. How How can you tell what's important to a child? How do you tell? How do you know what is important to a child? It's not that hard. How do you know? 
They tell you, right? They talk about what's important to them, right? And they'll talk about it again and 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 again. And they talk about it and they talk about it and they talk about it. Why? Because it's important to them. If you take a child into a restaurant, what's the first thing they want to order? Ice cream. They want to get their dessert first. Why? Because that's what's important to them, right? If you offer them broccoli, is that what it gets them excited? No. Give me the dessert first. That's what's important to them. If, if you give them the option here, do your math homework or go jump on the trampoline, what are they going to choose most of the time? Go jump on the trampoline. Why? Because it's what's fun to them. It's what matters to them. It's what they value, right? It's not that hard to figure out what's important to a child. What about an adult? Is it that hard to figure out what's really important to adult? an adult? Jesus said that you'll know a tree by what it's fruit, right? A tree that's planted and healthy, it's going to produce fruit. What that tree's DNA is, it will come out of the tree. The tree can't help it. Right? Where its roots are planted gives nutrition to the tree and it produces fruit. And the fruit is either healthy or unhealthy, but the tree will produce what has been put in it. And so it is with our lives. It's not that hard to figure out what's important to adults. You look at their schedules and where they spend their time and how they, what they do with their money and what they do in their private moments and what's important to them in their, in their moment of integrity. When nobody's looking, you find out what's really important to a life. And it's not that hard. Adults talk about the things that are most important to them too. Just like a child does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul also talks about the Lord's Supper. And he talks about how when we participate in the bread and the cup of Jesus, that it's a reminder, a regular reminder for us to know that, that it's easy for idols of the world to slip into our lives. And, and we have to be on guard for those things. We have to submit ourselves regularly to the work of God's Spirit so that He can put His spiritual tool on the spokes of your life and your heart and tune you back so that when areas of your life get warped, and they'll get warped, they'll get warped. It doesn't matter if you're the world's greatest Bible teacher or you're viewed as the most holy person in this church. If you're a pastor, over time your life will get warped occasionally. And you need to be open to God's Spirit coming and retooling you so that you're aligned again for His purpose so that you can roll the way He wants you to do, so that you can participate in the life of God. So the Lord's Supper reminds us about the forgiveness that we have, not just what was past, not just for what is to come, but an invitation to walk daily with Christ. There's the forgiveness and we are reminded and celebrate that. And then it's about first things. It's about what is most important to you. And, and allowing God, inviting Him, even in a prayer, as we take the Lord's Supper together today, just ask God. Say, God, would you, would you show me what, what are my priorities right now? Am I allowing you, Jesus, to be what is most important in my life? More important than my spouse or my children or my career pursuit or the standard of living I'm trying to reach, no matter what it is. God, is there something else that has taken up a place of idolatry in my life that when I really examine my life and let you, God, examine me, where is the spoke that you want to touch and twist and turn so that my life can be back in sync and roll right with you? So there's forgiveness, there's first things, and then there's feeding. And we'll end with this. It's the feeding. But the Lord's Supper is a reminder 
that we are fed spiritually by the presence of Jesus. Now, we do the Lord's Supper about once a month. So, is this the only time you're to be fed spiritually? (laughs) You're going to be mighty hungry. If that's the only time. What did Jesus say? That, that men and women are not fed. They don't, they don't survive on bread alone, but on what? Do you remember? On every word that comes from where? That proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, how does that work? Well, it, it's in our disciplined life with Him. I, uh, I grew up in a, a, a town, it's about, about the size of Nevada or so, a standalone town. And uh, I learned in the first service that maybe this didn't happen for a lot of you, but I'm going to say it anyway because as I got into high school, you got a little extra income because you're working the job and you had a car to get to places. And there were certain rumors about certain restaurants. And one of them was that you don't go to this certain pizza place because they put dog food on your pizza. <laughs> so you guess, guess where I never ate pizza again? <laughs> that wasn't a hard decision. And then uh, there was a rumor in our high school that one of our high school peers worked at a particular sandwich shop. And, and it was told that, that he would occasionally spit into the sandwich bread batter. So guess where I never ate sandwiches again? And I could go on down the list. Now, I asked the first service and everybody's like, what? <laughs> where did you grow up? That's crazy. Did anybody grow up in places like that? No? Yes? Thank you. You're, you're having mercy yeses for me. Thank you. Um, you just you learn to avoid the things that are not healthy, right? And uh, that just aren't appealing. We, um, the staff and several others, went to a, a, a church leadership conference uh, this past weekend over in uh, Sacramento uh, called Thrive. And one of the, the people talking uh, is the, the founder of a charity called Charity Water. And uh, he, their purpose is in our lifetime to end... Uh, dirty water uh, around the world so that everybody on earth could have access to clean water. And it's a great, great thing. But he showed some pictures of places and, uh, that have water that, that looks something like this. Probably not all the sediment as much in it, but it was very opaque and very gross looking. And in the water, it's not just about being dirty, but it's about the toxins that are in the water, the parasites that are in the water, the, um, the bacteria that's there that causes illness and can cause all sorts of uh, extreme things. And so part of their, their desire is to take and to replace people's access to this sort of water to actually having clean water. It's a little bit more like this. Doesn't that look better? Healthier. It's something you want to take into your body. And, and if you're like me, you don't really think a whole lot about the, the joy of water and, and how much we need water. Uh, we don't think a whole lot about turning the tap on and there's clean, fresh water. Thank you um, to all those who work in the water industry. Um, but we don't think a lot about it. And we don't think about it being a nourishing reality for us. Do you remember what Jesus said once? He said, if you're really thirsty in your life, He said, come to me and drink from me in this relationship that I'm going to offer to you. And out of you, do you remember what he said? Out of you will flow springs of living water. Why? It's because of the presence of Jesus in us. We we gravitate toward that which is nutritious and healthy. But there's a lot of things in our world that we drink that is more dirty than clean. There are lies about marriages and lies about um, if I don't get into my preferred college, my life is over. There are deceptions about if I learn to love God, then things my life will never be hard again. There won't be any seasons of difficulty or 
We, we, we buy in and we drink the dirty water that any spiritual path is the same way as the pathway Jesus lays out for us. And we drink these cups of dirty water, sometimes not even knowing it, and it begins to affect us. And what Jesus invites us to is to learn to nourish ourselves on Him, not once a month with an act we might do together as a church, but this is a reminder of how daily Jesus wants to give you His clean water. It's a reminder of how Jesus desires to feed your soul. It's a reminder of how if you and I would discipline ourselves to take up His Word, to take the Bible and to take it seriously and to, to take it not just to get ourselves into it, but to get it into you. You know what I mean? There's a big difference between reading a book and allowing the book to get into you. It's a consummation idea. And Jesus wants to nourish us not just an occasional thirst quenching, but in daily nourishment. So the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder today of the fresh covenant. It's a reminder that we are committed to the work of Jesus and the life of Jesus and what He's doing in the world and how we go with Him. It's a reminder of His forgiveness. It's a reminder of what is first in our life and our priorities and to examine those and to allow God to tweak those. And it's a reminder that every day we are called to take up our cross and to let Jesus feed us because we're not fed just on bread alone for a physical body. We need every word that flows from God's mouth into our hearts so that we can become the people that Jesus desires us to be. Let me invite the deacons to come and uh, forward and sit here in the front pews. And everyone else, I want to invite you to pull out your hymnal. And we're going to walk through our church covenant together. It's, if you open it, it's right on the inside flap. And we're going to read it together. You guys, there should be some right underneath here on the front. So right here, the TBC church covenant. Remember the word covenant, we're talking about it being meaning committed. Being committed to God and committed to things that really matter. Not just about for my life, but for what God has designed and desires to happen. That's what it is to be committed. It's about being committed to the things that, that matter, not just for this life, but matter in our forever life as well. So let's read together. Having, as we trust, been brought by divine grace to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, solemnly and joyfully covenant with one another that we will walk together in Christian love, show loving care for one another, and encourage, counsel, and admonish one another, assemble faithfully for worship, and pray earnestly for others as well as for ourselves, Endeavor to bring up those under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Share one another's joys and bear one another's burdens and sorrows. Give evidence of the reality of our conversion and baptism by living godly and holy lives. Maintain a faithful ministry of worship, evangelism, Bible study, education, and service. Seek by Christian example and witness 
to win others to Christ and encourage their growth toward Christian maturity, be faithful stewards of our resources and abilities in sharing the gospel with people of all nations and seek earnestly to live to the glory of Him who has brought us out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. So we come today to this table, and Jesus really is the host. It's His meal, and He invites us to participate. There are symbols of bread and cup, a broken body and poured out blood. It is to freshen the covenant that God made so long ago and made new again in the person of Jesus. And when we participate in this, we are reminded that we have committed our lives back to God. So today, if you're here and and you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus, then I would encourage you to not participate in this. This is for those who've made a real serious commitment to the Lord Jesus. And if that's you, then we invite you eagerly to participate in this with us. Because when you take this, you are, the Scripture says, participating in the life of Jesus. Not just the death, but in the life of Jesus to come. On that first Last Supper, Jesus took bread and He broke it and He thanked God for it and He passed it out and He said, take and eat this, for this is my body that has been broken for you. Father, we pray this day as we share in this meal, in this bread that reminds us of your broken body, that we would be reminded of our commitment to you. And our commitment to you pales in comparison to your commitment to us. But help us to walk in this commitment. Help us to live a life worthy of the calling that you've placed on our lives. And help us to do it joyfully and eagerly. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.